Welcome back to the Pocha Podcast at the intersection of brown pride and assimilation. I'm Kat. I'm Charlene. And this is the Weedy Weedy for August. And in this Weedy Weedy, Charlene, we're doing double duty. I know. We not only have one, but two guests. Mm-hmm. And for uh, folks that were fans of the Tortilla Throwdown, we're bringing back the Throwdown. But this time, we're making margaritas, Kat. i a little scared, but excited. I'm excited, too. I we have I don't well I kind of know what you're bringing to the table but not really. Uh, I'm bringing sadness yesterday because I did a, a, tr- a trial run of what I wanted it to end up tasting like, and it I sat on the couch and was so depressed <laughs> because I was like this is fucking not turning out the way I wanted it to. How does tequila make you sad? It wasn't the tequila. It was me. Oh. <laughs> like I was making me sad because I was I just wasn't making it the way that I wanted it to be. And I really did try. I tried a couple different things because I wanted it to end up tasting like a candy from our our youth. And it, it just didn't work out. And it, it tasted like sadness from it your adulthood? Like, it tasted <laughs> like sorrow and failure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that yours, though, is going to be fabulous. I practiced, uh, I don't know, because I had a few bad bad runs, too. And then, but the bad runs, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> that didn't sound like good, that, no. no. Uh-huh. Um, I was going to skip over it, but since you brought, okay. Yeah, bad trials that didn't come out as wonderfully. But, you know, I did some some measuring, some mixing, and I had a little a testing crew. So shout out to the test crew. Shout out to the test crew, because that's how I got to the mm-hmm. recipe where we're at now. Yeah, so, so we'll see. But first. But first. We're going to... We- we have some judges. We do. We have some judges. To test our margaritas. Wait, okay. So to be real, though, we have judges, and we also have an audience. So yes. we're not here alone, and if you hear stuff in the background, that's because we're a house full of folks tonight, along with pets. Um, so we're doing this with some some familia in the house, hanging out with us, and they're also going to be taste testing as well. But our two main judges, who are also our guests. Yes, Kat. Who are they? So tonight we're talking a little bit about politics and bit. what it takes to be a politician in this world, maybe a little. So our guests tonight are New Mexico Representative Angelica Rubio and Hello. City Council Member Johanna Pencomo. I am so excited because I feel like we run into these folks all the time and we had to warn them that this is not the regular version of <laughs> Kat and Charlene that they may see. This is like... I've seen, I think they've seen me. I think we well, had a little bit of a dose already. Cat <laughs> might have broken the seal last weekend a little bit. Small. Yeah. It's a small community. Yeah. I like it. But I am excited to have them both here to, not just to, to like hang out and be our judges, but just to have a conversation and be part of our Weedy Weedy. So I'm excited to have you both here with us. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. All right. So let's do a little bit of a, a round of introductions. Um, and first off, thank you for giving us a trial run on our recipes because m- mine might be a little bit different for you. Definitely different. Charlene's is probably going to win, but I'm going to put my hat I'm in the so race excited. just in case. We also should have warned you that when we tried to make tortillas, they were terrible. <laughs> 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 they looked awful and they were not no great. Here. I, I also make terrible tortillas. Okay. Well, then good. Oh, we're in good okay. company. No judgment. But you drink great margaritas, and that's our <laughs> yeah, aim for, yes. for tonight. We're ready. Um, so first off, can you introduce yourselves to our listeners um, and some of the identities that you bring into your work as an elected official? And we'll start with Angelica first, and then Johanna second. 
Well, hello there. <laughs> I wanted a radio voice, but it's not really going to turn out that way. It's perfect. Um, thank you all. Thank you for inviting me here tonight. I'm having fun. Um, and for the, the folks who are listening, I've already had two glasses of margaritas. <laughs> and so it's going to be it's a fun be evening. Funny. Um, so I'm Angelica Rubio, and I serve as the state representative for District 35, which um, encompasses most of the historical and traditional neighborhoods of the city of Las Cruces been doing it for six years and I guess the identities that I bring to this work is mostly I'm the youngest daughter of, of immigrants Mexican immigrants from from Mexico and so a lot of my work is centered around the values that come forth with with that which are sometimes complex but I believe in in really leading from a place of, of addressing racial and social justice, and so um, I, I'm, I am probably the minority in the legislature, and when it comes to issues like that, folks are always thinking about being pragmatic. Um, I'm, I, I look towards legislation that is bolder because I feel like that's it's about narrative change and that's where we need to go, and so I feel like my identities are very much from coming coming from an immigrant family, uh, growing up in a really small town in New Mexico, born and raised in the southeastern part of the state, in oil and gas country. So a lot of my work is related to um, just reimagining a different economy for our, for our state and one that uplifts frontline communities and and makes it lives better for them. Um, and. I mean, I think there's a lot more, but <laughs> I, will, I will end there. We'll unpack as we keep, keep going. And Johanna? Yes, thank you. I would also just like to say that Angelica is one of my best friends, mm. and she's also, besides a legislator, a writer and an officiant. She actually married me and my husband last Aww. year. So. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, thank you for having me. Um, yes, my name is Joanna Bencomo. I am the Las Cruces City Councilor for District 4. Um, this is my first term, third year. Um, I Some of my identities, I'm first and foremost, I'm an immigrant. I am originally from um, a tiny, tiny, tiny town in Chihuahua, Mexico called Colonia Aldama, not to be confused with Ciudad Aldama, because sometimes when I tell people I'm from Colonia Aldama, they're like, oh, yeah, I know where that is. And trust me, <laughs> you don't. <laughs> <laughs> it, I like it, its peak. It was like 100 people live there. Oh, wow. Now there's like, you know, 10 viejitos left and... Um, everyone left. Um, I, um, my family and I migrated when I was eight. Um, my dad at the time was the only one with legal status, and it was my mom, my eight-month-old brother, and then me. And um, we came here with three-month uh, visas that we overstayed, and then we came and documented. I have a little sister, so I'm, I'm the older sister of three. Um, and honestly, that really shaped my entire identity when we first migrated to the United States we moved to a tiny town in in Colorado called Holyoke Colorado not the cool part of Colorado <laughs> um, it's about 2,300 people very very conservative very white very rural um, and this place you know I think it for a long time it tried to rob me of my identity and um, I was really able to um, I think it's why I'm so damn stubborn because of this town. So in many ways, I have a lot of gratitude for it. Um, but yeah, and you know, I'm I'm also a community organizer. I um, I'm a chillona, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and 
you know, I, I, most of the time, I love being an elected official, not all the time. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm excited to unpack that as well. Yay. Thank you both so much. I, it leads perfectly into the first question, which is we very much, it's changing, but we very much live in a world where folks with the backgrounds you just described are not in decision-making spaces. So it is a beautiful to see and hear how your experiences also play and very much are a part of your work. But what made you decide this is for me this is something that i need to do which one of you would like to start and tackle that one i mean i will say that i don't enjoy being in the legislature very much i mean for me it was very much an obligation to my community i I was running a lot of campaigns uplifting women who were running for office and that's really what i wanted to do Uh, When I was a little kid, I grew up wanting to be the governor of New Mexico, and then when I discovered what organizing was, I I quickly realized that the the power was found in numbers, and that's really what I wanted to to focus on, and then um, it was just my my neighborhood, my people in my community, folks like Joanna and others that encouraged me to run, and I... um, they say it takes 30 or seven times for a woman a woman to be asked to run before they say yes. It took oh, wow. me like 35 times <laughs> and two IPAs for me to finally say, <laughs> yes, I will run for the seat. But it's been six years and it is it has been rough. And as Charlene mentioned around, um, there's very few of us. That's what makes it hard. Like we do need more of us. And there are times that I just want to like, give it up but I also know the privilege that it that I'm in that it's hard to also walk away yeah for me community organizing was definitely also the primary reason I would say I decided to run for office and also incredible friends like Angelica and other women who've been through Emerge New Mexico for folks out there that don't know Emerge is a, a training program for democratic women to to they train you to run for office um, but honestly for me I think even why I got into organizing, it, I never really understood why we left Mexico. For a long time, my parents said, oh, like, like things weren't growing, there was a drought. Mm-hmm. For lo- the longest time, when I was in college under um, in the government department, which Angelica is also a product of, uh, under the incredible leadership of Dr. Neil Harvey, um, I learned about NAFTA. And mm-hmm. I realized that my family's story was this, a product of NAFTA and that m- thousands of small farmers in Mexico were impacted by this, thrown into further poverty, and they had a choice to make. They could either go work for a maquiladora for dismal pay or come to this country and keep doing agricultural work or whatever. And it wasn't until I was in college that I learned this, and then in organizing, I re- it clicked for me. The people who are predominantly impacted by a certain policy are either hardly ever or never consulted. Mm-hmm. And right, like yeah. the ones that are impacted are never at the decision making table. And that's the biggest lesson I took from organizing. And when there was an opportunity for me to run for office and a lot of people asked me to run, I, I just felt like I couldn't turn it away. It also, I very much also felt like an obligation. 
Angelica, you kind of alluded to like sometimes being a politician or being an elected official isn't all it's cracked up to be. And the word or the label politician often gets a bad rep, um, sometimes deservingly, right? <laughs> um, so sometimes, yes, politician is deservingly given that bad rep. Um, sometimes not. Do you consider, do both of you consider yourselves politicians or? I don't. I mean, when people label me as a politician, I mean, that's their thing. But I always say public servant. I never, I never describe myself any other than state representative, public servant, mm -hmm. never politician. I mean, politician to me is the people I want to get rid of. I mean, those mm. are the people who I feel are not aligned with. My values are certainly not aligned with the values of like working, working families um, throughout the state. Yeah, you know, I, I, this is such a good question because I think I'm definitely part of the folks that view the word politician as not a great word. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I, sometimes when people call me that, I also cringe. And I think for me, I think it's, it's ingrained in me that there's something disingenuous about um, certain politicians that I think, like, I'm trying really hard to lead out of a really genuine place, out of a place of stories and people's experiences and so I also I I don't even though it's wild because I honestly love politics and I wish I could there was a switch I could turn it off you know and not care all the time and I mm. technically that makes me a politician right <laughs> um but I also I I kind of reject the term as well did you so did you you said you care a lot about politics like that you like if if you're anything like me you eat sleep and drink what got you started on that? Honestly, for me, I think it was living in this small community that was very conservative where I consistently felt like I was searching for belonging mm -hmm. and everything felt wrong to me. Like I, I was like, I don't, I don't believe that. Like that doesn't feel right to me. Like why? I don't know. I always felt really, really excluded and, um, I loved listening to the news. I don't know. It was it was a strange experience growing up in such a tiny white community as an immigrant, as an undocumented person. And um, I felt like that experience made me love public life. Poli I don't know. I can't describe it. Maybe that's for another podcast. Or another margarita. Another episode. Or another margarita. <laughs> We're getting there. Um, yes, Kat is definitely a politics nerd. So y'all should have some conversations that uh, I don't want to be part of. But um, <laughs> um, you've mentioned a few things already, like a stigma that may come with you just being an elected official, people not really knowing who you are, or what you're about already just assume certain things about you. Um, obviously, the way you look, people might already just assume things about you. But for you, what is what are some of the challenges, like the biggest challenges that you've found in being an elected official? Well, I mean, I, every, I will say every single time I walk into the roundhouse during a, an opening day, the, uh, the sergeant of arms still don't think that I'm a representative. They still think that I am like somebody that's helping out in the office or whatever, mm -hmm. because I, I don't look like an, old dude old white dude mm -hmm. and so it's just assumed that i'm not a legislator um so there's that i mean i'm not that young i mean i'm 43 but i think people just assume that those of us like people that look like us shouldn't be in positions of power so i feel like i still run into into that um i think the fact that 
we lead from like our hearts a lot of times and understand our community so well that those ideas are very radical that mm-hmm. that that it's too it's too much for mm-hmm. policymakers and so i get a lot of 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 flack for just some of the issues that i represent the issues that i support and and that's really challenging that that i'm too young i'm too left i'm too radical um and that women probably should just not say anything like we should just it's like my mom used to say that's why you're single angelica because you talk too much (laughs) (laughs) that's what i feel like a lot of that exists in the legislature Mm -hmm. where it's just this cultural like so many divides that we're trying to get through yeah, I relate to that completely. I'm also currently the youngest person on the council. I was elected when I was 31, um, 34 now, but I'm the youngest person, and I think often, and definitely, I would, potentially now my new colleague, Becky Coran, is maybe more left than me, <laughs> but like I was definitely on, on the, like, you know, talking about identities, like very unapologetically progressive, and I think. So being young, being progressive, being an immigrant, like all of those are sort of like the cocktail for um, the status quo people, people who want to not change anything, people who don't like to ruffle feathers, to not immediately not like us, to immediately mm-hmm. shut down when, when we have something to say. And honestly, I feel like I'm also a social worker, and I, I feel like often I show a lot of emotion when I talk about a lot of issues, even in local government, you know, in local government, we're talking about like potholes and trash bins and like very (laughs) mundane things. But like, I very much care about equity and like justice and making sure that people have what they need. And I think I often feel like people are just like rolling their eyes Mm -hmm. at us, at me. Um, Like those, those things can't happen. Those things can't be real when, when I, when I know they can be, right? And so I feel like that's one of the biggest things. I will also say that one of the worst moments for me, and I didn't think it would be, but one of the worst moments for me was last year, I had a couple of people leave me voicemails asking if I even was a citizen. Are you even Are you even allowed to be in an mm. elected office, right? Like people just questioning consistently your existence. We want to see your birth certificate mm-hmm. yeah. just like freaking mm-hmm. yeah. Obama who was born in Hawaii, all of the things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're not very creative, you know what I mean? Right? <laughs> yeah, they just took the, the notes and scratch out one name, put yeah. it in another. I, it's, it's baffling to me even to hear you all talking about being left, being progressive, being uh, having emotions. When did that become outside of what we should be doing? If you are a decision maker your primary goal should be to take care of the people that you're representing, not to appease money, not to appease oil and gas, not to appease these systems that you're working within, but to make sure that the people that you should have to see when you go to the Walmart or the grocery store or the Pickwick or whatever it is, that you can feel proud of what you've done. So even we're just so, the binary is getting, it feels like so even more fragmented, um, that people do assume that they already know what you're about just by seeing, oh, you have a tattoo, you're female, yes. you're brown, you're, you don't have kids, and you're over 30. Like, whatever it is in their brain, they think they already know you. Um, damn. Yeah, you know, we were just talking about this the other day. There's, re- there's something about being in public office that I think people have, like, this perceived 
intimacy with you. Right. I know you. Because you're a public person. I know you. Mm -hmm. And I know your intentions. Mm -hmm. And honestly, to me, the worst thing is when someone questions my intentions in terms Mm -hmm. of how I approach any particular thing. Yeah, it's very interesting. Well, and not only I know you, but... I have the right to yes. tell you exactly yes. what I think Your about you. To me. Yes, yes, you work for me. You are, yeah. Well, I, you all work for me, and I just want to feed you margaritas. So. <laughs> Thank you. I will take them. <laughs> <laughs> work, so. You don't. That's that's actually a very interesting mm-hmm. thing about New Mexico. So our yes. state legislators. They get a per diem, right? So, like, if you show up, if you're voting on thing, working, you get a per diem for place to stay and the work that you do. But you don't get paid, paid. Mm-hmm. No. So, like, answering your emails, having conversations with constituents, having meetings, ha- none of that is paid. No. Why the fuck do you do that? I mean, well, and I'm- when you first talk about, I've been in rooms and conversations, and many years ago, before I had a better understanding of what this meant, Because who are the only ones that can change that? You. So you literally have to bring up yourself. I would like to be paid for this job. And then everybody, no mames. Well, of course you want to get paid. (laughs) That's like me saying I need a raise. Well, of course you need a fucking raise. But what the deeper conversation becomes is if they do not get paid, who is allowed to be in that seat? People with money people with trust funds, people who own businesses that are so successful they can walk away from them for 60 days, for 30 days. So we get a very specific group of people who are making decisions for a whole other group of people that do not live like that and never have and probably never Never will. will. And it's been this way since 1912. I mean... I mean, they call it the three R's. You're either retired, rich, or resourceful. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I'm the resourceful. I mean, there's many of us who are resourceful, but it mm-hmm. leaves out so many people from our community who could be much better policymakers because of their own lived yes. experiences that they just can't Absolutely. possibly do this work. Cool. This, Go ahead. this is when you find, like, the people who are our legislators at the statewide level are... Um, not just retired, rich, resourceful, but then you end up with very specific um, jobs. Like there's a lot of attorneys who mm-hmm. are legislators, and, and I've, I've got no beef with that. But you end up with people who only know the top side of the law, or the top side of oil and gas, or whatever industry. And there's like a whole other level of people who like, great, you're making these laws, but when they're enforced, that impacts a whole other level that's n- that never gets discussed. Well, who better to inform change within the criminal justice system than someone who's been through it? Right. Who better to inform changes to Medicaid than someone who's had to go do that application every month? These are people with lived experience that really know the ins and outs. And like you said, not the top level, oh, I can... I'm going to make decisions that are going to help the people. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't even know. And sometimes there are unintentional consequences of the well-intended legislation that you're like, oh, yeah, I just fucked that up and didn't even realize right. it. But, I mean, it's not not that it's any better for a city council member. I mm-hmm. looked at, because I was asked to run for the, the, the seat I w- or the place that I was living in prior to purchasing mm-hmm. a home. And I, I was like, okay, can this be conceivable? Like, would I have to leave my job? And I looked at the amount of pay and I was like, oh, fuck no. <laughs> I would have to be doing a full-time job with a part-time pay mm-hmm. for one piece and then a full-time job 
with benefits and all the things on my on my side. So it's yeah. not like, it's, I mean, it's a little bit better because she's getting <laughs> she's, something. she's getting something, yes. but it's not a whole like you really can't. It's just hard. Let's just put it out there. It's just hard. Yeah, I mean, for transparency's sake, it's thirty-four thousand dollars for a Las Cruces City Council person. Mm -hmm. The mayor is the only one that arguably makes a living wage, mm -hmm. a livable wage. Um, it, it used to be that the majority of people were retired folks or independently wealthy folks who are on the council. Now, mm -hmm. actually, we have a majority of women serving on the council Woo! who mm -hmm. are both on the council and have either full-time jobs or, or an additional part-time job, and including if, myself. If I remember correctly, we actually have for the first time a parent who has like young, young kids. kids. Yeah on our city council. Yeah. But okay, so but to be real, it's not all like ah, get, you know, get coraje. What are <laughs> the plus sides of being an elected official, a public official? Mm. Dare I say a politician? Mm. <gasps> dun, bum, dun, bum, dun. Bum. I mean, whew, it's like a Maybe it's a bad time to ask that because it's just been <laughs> such an right, overwhelming okay. summer. Um, also, um, it's November, so there's elections yes, coming also up. Also, it's election year. But no, yeah. here's here's the thing, right? Like I, as often as I get frustrated because now apparently leading from your heart and compassion is like this commodity nowadays, right? It's like a vulnerability. Um, no, hello. Uh, Buster uh, agrees. Buster. Dogs agree. Thank you, Buster. Um, apparently. This is a liability now, right? Like being those things. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's a very good thing that folks like myself and a couple of other, or my colleagues that are leading with our hearts, that are leading with um, people's, like trying to, you know, ensure people's dignity is intact, that we get to have a platform and that we get to talk about um, things like our own house neighbors in the way that. A lot of other people are not mm -hmm. talking about it. Things like policing in a way that um, lifts up a mirror to the system, right? And so in many ways, I feel like um, that's why our voices are so important. And that's why I'm glad I'm here. Uh, so I got I, I came in in January of 2020, and three months later, the oh, pandemic yeah. happened. Yeah. And so that totally shifted the way that I had envisioned myself. Mm -hmm. This is the kind of counselor I wanted to be. But honestly, like at the end of it, I was like, I'm glad I was on the council while we were having conversations about how to make sure the most vulnerable people in our community were taken care of during COVID. Like, I'm, I'm glad that th I was able to do that. Are you still yeah. searching for, you were like, let me listen to Johanna and then <laughs> I'm, maybe I'll get something. I'm going to cheat off of this test. What did she write? Okay. No, I mean, I think for me, it's, it's been rough because it's, it was again I, I wasn't sure if I really wanted to do this in the beginning and I think I think I just also tried so hard in my first four years to just do everything like mm -hmm. I, I I mean I, I went to every interim committee all over the state I participated in every conversation that I possibly could be in I rode my bike to Santa Fe two years and had town hall meetings along the way like I intentionally was like things have to be different and I'm going to try to make that different and I think part of what I'm experiencing now it's like when I especially in this year when we're losing our speaker and there's all these elections happening for leadership I feel like that my own colleagues who it seemed like things were just so much more like collective 
when I first started six years ago. Now it's just gross. Like now it's just, um, it's it's not fun. And mm. I think part of, of of what I try to hold on to is 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 just keeping my head down and working on policy. And so like today we finally got a draft on compensation. So we're gonna have a really great bill. Uh, on legislative compensation and hopefully get paid um, um, so we have a constitutional amendment so that wouldn't have happened if I wouldn't have taken the charge on that in the same way that we're we're having uh, like a housing bill 3.0 this year and and like there's all these little things that well not little things I know that they're big but they wouldn't have happened if I hadn't like really pushed it and I think one of the things that I told myself when I first got elected was I went to this to this training early on where it was like four quadrants and, and it told you who you who would you who did you want to be representative of did you want to be the policy wonk did you want to be um, the public per, the pro, the public person um, the third per thing I don't remember clearly I didn't want to be that but <laughs> the fourth one was the heart like I wanted to be the heart of my caucus and that's that's kind of where that's kind of how I've been just um, operating for the last six years and having to kind of like remind myself every day to like stick it through. You all have s such a difficult position to be, um, you know, at the beginning of the podcast, we always talk about the intersection of brown pride and assimilation. That's mm -hmm. where we're at for a lot of our lives, Kat and I both. Um, and you all are working in a system that was built by and for the dominant culture mm -hmm. and you are not that and you are bringing in all of these other experiences to that so just thank you for um for being so real with us for sharing and being real people i also think that when people think they know you they also see you as not human mm -hmm. and not so i just i appreciate you all being so human and having heart and leading with that heart because it matters and when you know i Honestly, I love that I can be out and about and see you on town and be with my daughter and tell her like what y'all do because she gets to see somebody that doesn't look like the old white dude, yeah. mm -hmm. right? So I I just want to say um, we're just two tiny little people, but we appreciate y'all for what you're doing and um, and I hate that it's so challenging for you and I hope that doesn't dissuade you from you know doing doing more of what you're doing. Oh, Absolutely. Um, some folks wear capes. One wears a bandana. One wears a skirt. Like <laughs> those are our superheroes. The eyelashes. The eyelashes for sure. <laughs> Whew, that was all okay. I can't do any more of this. Cap. Wait, hold on. We got okay, one more, one more. before okay. we move over to margaritas. Okay. okay. So um, the guests that we've had on the show, oh, yeah. because this mm -hmm. is a bocha podcast, we self-identify as bochas, and what that, and we've talked at length for what that means for us. But have you two heard of that term? And what is that? What has that term meant for you? Yeah, I, I've heard it. I mean, my parents call me pocha every once in a while. <laughs> I mean, it's. I, I I think a lot of it is being from the borderlands too. Just like having to exist within two different societies of Spanish and English, and um, and not always having like the words to say in Spanish and. 
Um, so yeah, I I clearly I don't agree necessarily with my parents' assessment, but <laughs> um, uh, said as a true elected official. But <laughs> I but I but yes, I I totally totally understand. Yeah, you know, the first time I heard Pocha was actually when I came here, like when I started really learning and like living the this like fronteriza border identity and. Um, because I feel like it's much like what you said, it's this intersection and I love that you all have reclaimed it in many ways because I don't necessarily think a lot of people have used it in, um, in a positive way, but I, I feel like it's such a, um, a beautiful representation of La Frontera. Wait, so, okay, so you've heard it. So what does it mean for you? Like what, what did you... Oh, okay. Good question. Yeah. So I guess I would say, oh God, I guess I would say it's like... (laughs) When people say the no sabo kid, mm-hmm. yes, right. Like I, I think I, to me, it's a similar uh, word. Like someone who ha- has a Hispanic, Latine, Latinx, Latino identity that perhaps doesn't speak the Spanish fully, or um, those kind of things. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Ama, estoy tinkeando. Yeah, <laughs> voy a mapear. Escútate. <laughs> I invented that word when I was a little kid. Escútate. Scoot over. Yes. I love it. Escútate. Yeah. Listen, when, at this intersection, though, like, I want to have a parade at that intersection because, yeah. yes, I might not be brown enough for one part of my family and I'm not white enough for the rest of, but I love this intersection because I get to live here. I get to make my own. Yeah house it's my esquina like mm-hmm. all of the things y'all are invited to that parade thank you, thank you. grand marshals yes <gasps> thank you oh wait I did we just key, take the I grand marshals oh to yeah the, to the to the parade <laughs> yes i was gonna say to the city i'll get you one okay yeah. actually one just kidding. there will be I beverages at right? this parade this yeah this parade has it's beverages. like it's like a new orleans parade Love it. Perfect. <laughs> yeah speaking of beverages let's do it cat okay so we're going to switch gears without using the clutch. So not only are you two judges, we do have some folks in the house who are going to be weighing in mm-hmm. on our um, margaritas. So what are we doing? Are we flipping a sausage to see who Monday. goes first? I didn't think you flipped sausages, but... <laughs> only, <laughs> only on this show. I just blushed a little bit. <laughs> Speaking of identities, <laughs> yes, that's Let's me flipping discuss. sausage. Um, okay, so I really, really wanted to try to get the taste of the tamarindo candies when we were a kid that were like slightly salty or spicy and slightly tamarindo-esque. I failed miserably. I'm just going <laughs> to put that out there. However, things are looking good. With, <laughs> with the help of the executive producer, we did try a couple things and she helped me get to a place and probably also was like oh my god this is the worst margarita i've ever tasted can we move on from this Mm -hmm. so i have created a a tamarind tamarindo margarita that is like for me when i looked at it initially i was like oh my god this is black it's black interesting so instead of like dia de los muertos it's Rita de los Muertos. Wow. So, mine is not tamarindo. 
Um, I was racking my brain. What could I do? What could I put in there to make it sort of original? Should I just try to do like the OG classic and make it really good? I don't know what to do. And then I was talking to my sister who is always so brilliant. And she's like, remember that time we went to this taco place and they had those margaritas. I was like, oh my God, yes. So I made a simple syrup with rosemary. So it's going to be a rose. And rosemary is an anti-inflammatory. So you're going to feel... Te voy a curar. Ahorita te vas a sentir como... I'm telling you, you're going to be great. Uh, So rosemary simple syrup. I also... You're going to be very impressed with my... um, The bottle that my tequila is in. Because someone gifted this to me a long time ago. And I was like, I am never going to use that. Never say never. Because we're going to use it today. Uh, And mine also has... um, Lots of ingredients, so hopefully I, I got my measurements right. She's sabotaging me already. Okay. Well, here we go. Here we go. This is my um, my special syrup okay. that I made. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, the fabulous Skelly tequila. We love it. We're here for it. Uh, the dog it stole from? the hat. So. Where is it from on the back? This is Mexico. Yeah, produced and bottled in Mexico. Arriba. Abajo. There we go. I love your rosemary. Very, very very light and summery. Charlene, do you have a name for yours? Um, Yes. This is the the arthritis buster. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, tengo pregunta. So there's one side with salt and one side oh, yeah. with tahin. Do it's, we need to alternate? You, or? It's up to you. Right, it's up to you. Um, some of our tasters one one. liked one, some liked the other, and I was like, you know what? Mm. So the rim is tahin mm. and then tamarindo like mix. So there's a little bit of some sweet in there. Uh-huh. It's tamarind paste. It's also mango, like the um, the juice mm. with li- uh, with lime juice, fresh lime juice. So this particular uh, tequila is a woman-owned tequila place in in Mexico. Salud. Salud. Is that too tart? You guys are impressive. I don't want to pick a winner. They're both winners. We're the winners. (laughs) (laughs) I got to say, I will say, I can make an announcement. Okay. Okay. And I don't want any hard feelings here, please. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, will, I, I really enjoyed this one. <gasps> Whatever it's called. Okay. The, oh, the, Rita, the, the, Rita de los Muertos. Rita de los Muertos. The rosemary was delicious, but I don't know if it was like the... Everything just kind of came together. All right, so there's one. Okay, very good. One for cat. Okay, so um, I, will, <laughs> I will say that... Um, Patrick, my husband, is always like, I I love Mexican candy because it's, besides mm-hmm. like mazapanes, they're mm-hmm. later, he's always like, why is your candy spicy? Your candy spicy. <laughs> <laughs> and so I also love the tamarindo one. Okay. And, mm-hmm. not but, and this, the rosemary one made me feel super bougie, which I love. Right? Yeah. It is so a bougie. Was, yeah. Like, this is like your lunch drink. If you're drinking. <laughs> Right, right. And then, um, and then this is like we're gonna go to like some bougie place. We're gonna be on a patio. Yeah, it's and the date drink. With big hats. Yeah, this is date drink. Mm-hmm. Something big sunglasses. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. I really do mean it. The winners are us. 
<laughs> Rubio and I, mm-hmm. because this was quite a treat. Mm. This okay. is delicious, Kat. It's yes. very good. Yeah. Thank you all again so much for joining us in our ridiculousness. We are honored to have had you here, and uh, we'll we'll do another throwdown, and maybe one of these days I'll win. <laughs> You're a winner in my eyes. I'm a winner because I'm going to keep drinking this margarita. <laughs> I'm going to win. So this has been... <laughs> This has been the Weedy Weedy for August. Um, And Charlene, remind us where we can be found online. You can always send us an email at pochapodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, on Facebook. Sometimes things go on Twitter, but um, more on accident than on purpose. And um, still, you can still go to Nopalera, type in pochapod15, get your little family discount for another month. Um, yeah, get all your things. I'm going to start stocking up for Christmas. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to start buying gifts right now. This is what I do because then I don't have to spend a billion dollars and everybody gets a soap because they're stinky. This has been the Weedy Weedy for August. I'm Kat. I'm Charlene. And we'll see you on the flip side. Bye.